Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Hello again. The bedrooms in my house are relatively put back together, which means the living room is now completely torn up. It's a mess, but it will be good when it's done. I hope you're all well and figuring out how to keep your safe, distantly social bubbles while fighting the good fight. And maybe eating blueberries, too. We went to one of the local farms and picked up 20 pounds today. Yes, we'll freeze about half of them, but that still gives us 10 pounds to eat right now. And for those of you who don't have, have access to Michigan blueberries, I am so sorry for you. When it's safe to travel again, you should come for a visit this time of year so that you can enjoy them fresh. We are up to book 22 of the Iliad. When we last left our heroes, Achilles was killing Trojans, and Apollo helped them escape to within the walls of the city. The Greeks chase the Trojans as far as the walls, and all of the Trojans are able to get safely inside. All except one. Hector, his fate long ago sealed, stands outside. But Achilles doesn't see him, at least not at first. He is still chasing Agenor, or so he thinks. You may recall, it's really Apollo. He reveals himself to Achilles and asks why he's still chasing a god, which is such an Apollo thing to do. Achilles does stop then. He yells at Apollo that it's not fair, that he tricked him, which is totally true. And then Achilles stalks away from Apollo and starts running towards Troy instead of away from it. Priam sees Achilles coming towards the city and Hector standing in front of the gates. And we get a series of speeches, and I even have them marked out from when I first read this for undergrad. Speech one is Priam. He calls out to Hector and gives him a variety of reasons why he should leave his place and come back inside the city, but Hector doesn't move. Speech two is Hecabe. She too calls out to Hector and gives him more reasons why he should leave his place and come back inside the city. So now both mom and dad have given speeches. Speech three is Hector. But it's a soliloquy. He talks to himself about the pros and cons of his options, about the results of his actions, about his feelings, about what everyone else is saying or might be saying about him. He talks to himself about what he should do next, and he decides that he must face Achilles. All the while, of course, Achilles is getting closer and closer, and Hector is ready to fight. But Achilles looks pretty scary, and Hector decides that maybe he isn't ready to fight after all. He turns and runs around the city three times. Now, I know this sounds particularly ridiculous to us today, and yeah, it is kind of funny if you visualize it. Um, and I will preface this by saying that I am not a runner. But when I lived in Rome, I had friends who were runners, and there were days they'd go for a run around Vatican City. Because it was fun to say that they literally ran around a country that day. Um, so while you might initially be visualizing this as a super long run, it's probably more of a 5 or a 10K. Um, but you do have to wonder what everyone on the walls was thinking as they watched Achilles chasing Hector and seeing them pass by three times. The gods, of course, are also watching the two men run around the walls. Zeus speaks. Hector has always been so good. He's never missed a sacrifice. It doesn't seem right for him to die. Zeus asks the gods to think about maybe sparing his life. Athena reminds her father that Hector's destiny was decided long ago. Sure, Zeus could spare him, but none of the other gods will support his action. Zeus sighs and agrees not to intervene. 
As Hector and Achilles are on their fourth trip around the walls, Zeus picks up his scales and weighs out the fates of the two men. His finding? Hector's death day weighs more. Um, spoiler alert? (laughs) Athena goes to Achilles and whispers in his ear that Hector will stop and fight. She'll make sure of it. She then goes to Hector and takes the form of Deiphobus and tells Hector that they should turn and fight instead of running. Hector is relieved to see his brother and says as much. Now that he's not alone, he feels secure in facing Achilles. Athena, as Deiphobus, responds that their mother had urged him not to leave the safety of the walls, but he had to help his brother. Hector stops running and turns to face Achilles. Dirty trick, Athena. Turns out Apollo isn't the only god who doesn't play fair. Before they begin fighting, Hector calls out to Achilles. He swears that if he wins, he will treat the body of Achilles with respect, even though Achilles has been most brutal to the Trojans. He asks only that Achilles agree to do the same um, for him. Achilles does not agree. Quite the opposite. He'll take out all of his anger on the body of Hector if he wins. The fight begins. Achilles throws his spear. Hector ducks. Athena throws the spear back to Achilles, unbeknownst to Hector. Hector throws his spear. Achilles blocks it with his shield, but still, it's a closer hit than what Achilles had managed. He calls to Deiphobus to hand him another spear, but of course, Deiphobus isn't there. Hector immediately realizes what's happened. He not only knows that it was a god, he knows that it was Athena. Well played, Athena, he says. I'm doomed, but I won't go down without a fight. And he pulls out his sword. Achilles assesses Hector, trying to determine the weak point in his armor, which he should be familiar with, given that it's the armor that Patroclus was wearing when he died, which is to say that it's Achilles' armor that Hector is wearing. Hector attacks with his sword, and Achilles thrusts his spear through Hector's neck. But Homer makes it a point to say that it does not sever his windpipe, which is why Hector is still able to speak before he dies. And, of course, therefore, the two men have a conversation. Achilles taunts Hector. You thought you were so safe because you killed Patroclus. Joke's on you. The dogs and vultures will have a feast tonight. And Hector pleads, by your life, by your knees, by your parents, don't leave my body to the dogs. My parents will give you a handsome ransom. Say that five times faster for my remains. Achilles is not swayed, but he's not totally gone to the dark side. He tells Hector that he's angry, but he's not angry enough to cut up Hector's corpse and eat it. But the dog thing, yeah, he's sticking to that. Hector gets a last curse out before he dies. He tells Achilles that Paris and Apollo will destroy him at the Scan Gates. Now, I don't think I've used that term before, even though this isn't the first time it it appears in the Iliad. Um, It's a proper noun. The main gates to the city of Troy are the Scan Gates. And... 2,500 year old spoiler alert for something that doesn't happen in the Iliad that's what will eventually happen to Achilles. Paris with the help of Apollo will shoot Achilles at the Scan Gates before the Trojan War ends. (laughs) But that's later and like I said not even part of the Iliad. Back to where we were. Hector dies. Achilles tries to get the last word, something to the effect of, I'll die when Zeus is good and ready for me to do so. Then he strips the armor from Hector which is to say he takes his own armor back Um, and the rest of the Greeks take turns stabbing Hector's corpse. While Achilles is ready for more killing he decides that it's more important to bury Patroclus. He directs the Greeks to return to their camp to do so and they do. Um, And even though Achilles is determined that Hector will be left to the dogs he's not quite ready 
for that yet. He, well, I'm trying to figure out how to describe this without being as graphic about it as Homer is. Achilles strings Hector by the heels and ties him to his chariot. And then Achilles drives. And if Hector weren't already dead, this would be horrific. Rereading this, I couldn't help but think of the lynching of James Byrd. The first time I read the Iliad was before his murder. Um, And this part of the epic was hard to read then, and it's somewhat sickening to read now. Hector's parents are still watching from the walls, by the way. There were speeches at the beginning of book 22, and the book ends with more speeches. Speech one is again Priam. He cries out, begging to be allowed to go to the Greek camp to plead for the return of his son's body. It was bad enough seeing his son die. It's even worse that he wasn't able to hold his son as it happened, which is a feeling far too many people are feeling today as their loved ones are dying from COVID with only an iPad for a connection. Speech two, as at the beginning, is Hecabe. She cries out as only a mother who has lost a child can. And it's a heartbreaking sound. And I hope, I hope you never have the opportunity to hear it. But of course, the third speech can't be Hector's as it was at the beginning of the book. Because Hector, after all, is dead. Andromache doesn't know yet. She is in her quarters, weaving. No messenger has been brave enough to tell her. She hears the wailing from outside, and she knows. She drops her shuttle and asks two of her handmaids to go with her to find out why Hecabe cries so, even though deep down, she already knows. She runs to the wall, followed by her handmaids. She sees Achilles pulling her husband behind his chariot. And she collapses. She pulls the veil from her head. She is surrounded by her sisters-in-law and the wives of her brothers-in-law. That third speech, it's not Hector's. It's Andromache's. She mourns for Hector. And she mourns for her son. It was Hector who defended the gates. Who will protect them now? And, and Astyanax? The Trojans call him Lord of the City. What will happen to him should he grow up? In their house, Hector has a full wardrobe, but his body is now amongst the Greek ships as a feast for the dogs. As she cannot burn his body on a pyre, she will burn his clothes instead. And the book ends with Andromache in tears and all of the women of Troy joining her in mourning. I have good news. The killing is pretty much done. Yes, we still have two books left to finish off this part of the story, but that's because there are a couple of rather important bodies to bury, assuming Achilles decides to stop defiling Hector's corpse. And in case you're wondering, I really do discover new things each time I read this. And, well, everything I'm reading as I'm covering this podcast. Um, What's really stood out to me on this reading of the Iliad is the role of the gods and the parallelism between the deaths of Patroclus and Hector. 
I didn't mention this in my summary, but Athena tells Achilles that we will kill will kill Hector, not you. We. She is going to help. And she does. It's not exactly the same as how Apollo is the first to strike Patroclus, but would Achilles have been able to kill Hector if Athena hadn't helped? So is it really Hector or is it Apollo who kills Patroclus? And is it really Achilles or is it really Athena that kills Hector? Are humans just the playthings of the gods? Do we have any control over anything that happens in our lives? The other thing that stood out to me on this reading is Andromache's place. Um, She's pretty high status. Um, After all, she's Hector's wife. And we see that she is a good wife. When we first see her at the end of book 22, she's doing what all good wives do. She's weaving. But she's living in her husband's house. All of her relatives there are in-laws. The only person she's related to by blood is her son, Astyanax. Her parents, siblings, they're, they're elsewhere. So she has this potential to go somewhere where she might be safe from the horrors that will happen with the fall of Troy. But that's all that it is. It's potential. And we will see a version of what happens to her when we get to Euripides' Trojan Women. There's more we can discuss over on the blog, particularly about Achilles' actions. uh, That part was definitely a rough reread. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on his motivations and how we should feel about him after his behavior in Book 22. It is not... It is not noble. It is not heroic. So what? how do you think we should feel about him? Um, the link to the blog, as always, is in the show notes. On Monday, we will have something much lighter with the start of Roman comedy. Up first is Plautus's Kistellaria. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.